Episode 160 of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. I'm Rugby Reg. Welcome back for another week. Oh, what a week it was, that bloody Wallaby test. It was uh, it was a remarkable one, and we'll talk a bit about that soon. Look, this week we've, we've ditched the high-profile stars, Wallabies and, and coaches and whatnot for some you know, expert opinion here. And we're not talking high-end, but we're talking very, very highly regarded, <laughs> shall we say. And we've, he's, he's been on here before, Brett Mackay from the, we'll call it the Raw. You've been on this podcast before, mate, haven't you? I, this is my, this is my annual appearance, Rich. Annual appearance. It, it, it was about this time last year, I think I was on. Yeah, we'll so, yeah, it's good, good. Good to be back. Start calling you Santa Claus, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll work. And joining you is Hugh Cavill. Hugh, how are you going, mate? I'm good, but have have you arranged an expert to come on? Because I'll I'll get off if that's the case. Because um, yeah. I'd... <laughs> Really, don't not sure how I'll qualify in that uh, field, but yeah, nice nice to be on after a couple of great games over the weekend, oh. NRC and the Test match. Well, as we I, know, I was, pretty, I was pretty happy to I was pretty happy to take the backhanded compliment. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you don't get many on this on this place, so you've got to take when you get them. It's the last ten minutes that count, guys, and we'll see who we bring on for that last ten minutes. <laughs> so let's get straight to it. We're going to talk about that South Africa. Wallaby test match over there in Cape Town, which went down 28-10, but half-time, we were up 10-5. It was a, it was a remarkable game. They played so well, and, and look, all the talk's been about the fade-out and the lost opportunity, and there's no doubt it's a lost opportunity. Um, and we'll talk about that, but let's talk half uh, the glass half full for the time being, because it was a good performance by the Wallabies, particularly that first half. It was probably as good a performance we've seen, or I think I've seen from them, in the link era, at least defensively, they're um, fantastic, and, and even on attack, they you know they put the pressure on. Perhaps you know one of the talking points was whether we made the most of our opportunities um, uh, in that first half, in, in saying that the box were very strong themselves. Brett, let's go straight for you, mate. What was your reading of this? How a, a good performance for the Wallabies to start off with. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was, mate. Um, and I've gone glass half full this week as, as well. I thought it was a, a phenomenal performance for, for 70 minutes, if we're honest. It was still 11, I think it was 11-10 mm-hmm. um, in about the 71st minute. I think they, they, they finally got the lead. So they've, they've put on three tries in the last nine or ten minutes. And so that's, yes, it's a loss. There's no no way of getting around that. But it was a really, really impressive uh, Wallaby performance, considering what they just come off, come off, um, come off in Perth and the Gold Coast. So that was that was certainly good. Defensively, it was it was unbelievable. Um, the number of I, I actually couldn't believe my eyes when I was looking through the stats and seeing the number of guys making fifteen plus tackles and a couple of them making twenty plus tackles. So you know, I, I, I don't know what the breakdown was tackle wise. I've heard two hundred and sixty tackles for the game mentioned, which is a a ridiculous figure if we think that one hundred and sixty is you know, is a big number. To make 260 is just crazy talk. Um, really, really good. Obviously, attacking execution was a little bit off, but I I don't mind that they tried their hand a few times. I, I do wonder if Matt Tamu's kicking was to a plan. Um, I, I, sort of, I think you can... 
you can put one or two dud kicks down to a um, to a guy trying something, but when he does it another five or six times after that, it's nearly got to be a towards plan, doesn't it? Yeah, th- that was that was one of the frustrating elements, and it started early. We we didn't find much grass there mm. uh, with any of those kicks. And First was, two went down Billy LaRue's throat from memory, and yeah. that's dangerous at the best of times. So. Yeah. So, Hugh, from your perspective, I mean, they, they say defence is, is largely attitudinal. It showed a fantastic attitude by these Wallabies. And those those stats were, I think, about from one of the sites, ESPN had it about 250 tackles and only 32 um, misses. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see what sort of breakdown that was in that last quarter. But some of these stats from some of these players, Kurandrani made 17 tackles, Slipper 20, Fainga 21, Kepu 18, Carter 22 without a miss. Um, Fardy 17, Hooper 20 uh, with a few misses, Hallwell 17 and one half, but you even look at... Yeah, I was, just gonna, I was gonna mention that, 17 and a half that, which probably gives you an idea of just how much defending the Wallabies did do in the second half. Yeah, unbelievable. Hugh, what's your reading of it? Uh, yeah, look, I, I agree with what Brett said. I, I also think that the thing that hasn't been acknowledged on, on our site, certainly, but or hasn't been acknowledged enough, is I thought the South Africans played a bloody yeah. good game. Oh, right, too. Yeah, that, was, that was superb. Yeah. I mean... You know, I think both sides, I mean, I remember sitting there, I think it was about the 60, 70 minute mark, going, this is a fantastic game. <clears throat> and, you know, even though there wasn't end-to-end try, try a minute stuff, it was just grinding, open rugby, both teams trying their hand. And the thing about the Springboks was, I think they learnt from their mistakes to the Perth game. They didn't kick it, they didn't kick to us very often. I mean, Israel Falau barely came into the game. Um, they kept the ball in hand really well. Uh, and they just kept grinding and grinding, and they didn't uh, overplay their hand. And in those last 15 minutes, when they when they pulled away from us, they barely made a mistake. And we and that was where it all came down. We made too many. Uh, so I think that's the one thing you've got to sort of acknowledge from the outset that we played a, re- a Springbok team that was really hitting form uh, on their own home turf, which is which is a tough assignment at the best of times. So I'd be interested to see how they go against the All Blacks this week with that in mind. But um, yeah, look, I think. There's a, there's a lot to be happy about, um, especially that defensive effort. Really good attitudes. I mean, everyone. I mean, no one really let the side down at all in that in that uh, regard. So, yeah. I mean, and then you just got to try and work out what what went wrong in those in those final 15 minutes. But I think part of it was just the the pressure that was built up in in, in the preceding minutes and the fact that we didn't really take our chances as well as we could have. Yeah. Well, a hundred extra tackles for the game the Wallabies had to make and when you look at the possession stats they were up against it in both halves they only had 44 possession in the first half percent position possession and, and that dropped down to 38 possession in that second half so they were always fighting it <laughs> I'm actually surprised it's that high because yeah, yeah, yeah. it just felt like they stood on their trial line for 20 minutes solid and tackled at the end yeah, there. so yeah, I'm, I'm surprised there you, you talk here there about um, the, the box not making a mistake the, the, th- the thing for me was, was when Schalkberger came on with about 25, 27 minutes to go and, and their intensity lifted and then when Backies came on, when Bismarck came on, they just lifted and lifted and lifted. And by the end of it, as as we saw, it was just a uh, it was a it was a it was just a smashathon, wasn't it? And 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 by that stage, the Wallabies were completely ground down from having made so many t- from having made so many tackles, from hitting so many rucks like they did. Um, and you know, it's it's hardly a surprise that that, that it, it rained tries in that last ten minutes. The, the disappointing element in that, I suppose, is that when the fresh bodies came on from the bench, there was no discernible difference and then lifting in intensity from the Wallabies. So that's going to be something they need to try to address in, in a short turnaround. Yeah, that's that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, the thing yeah. is that 
At the 71st minute, Davilia scored his tries to take it to 16-10, but it wasn't until the 78th minute where Lambie scored the next one. So until the 78th minute, we were we were well in the game. I mean, a converted mm. try would have put us in front. And I think it was in those last 10 minutes when we did have the ball, and that was when our decision-making really let us down. And Nick, Nick Phipps threw a shocker of a pass to no one. Uh, Benny Alexander coughed it up. And, you know, Rob Horn had it and tried an offload on our own line. It, it's, it was those little things like that that, that the South Africans just capitalised on. And, and those mm. are the little half half chances that we gave them. And, and, and they were the chances that they never gave us. I mean, ultimately, in the context of the game, the, the, the Brocks got the rub of the green. They played really well. But that the 50-50 decisions went their way. The, mm. the bounce of the ball went their way. And, and that's fine. You know, that, that's rugby. And certainly after the Perth test, we can't be complaining about that. But... Uh, that that was the thing. The box just didn't give us an in. We didn't. I mean, there was that one try that obviously Adam Ashley Cooper took, which is re- really well done. But I'd like to see the Springboks miss tackle statistics because they certainly didn't didn't give us any more chances. Even on our, on their own line, they defended like you know just as well as we did. Mm, it certainly did. It was. Um, you're, you're right about being. It was when when De Villiers scored his first try. I only went to sixteen ten, and I, and I actually remember having the conscious thought that if. If they go down sixteen ten, you'd take that because yeah. you, know, you think that this is a it's a it's a it's a phenomenal performance. They haven't quite played out the eighty sixteen tens probably a fair reflection, and so it was a bit oh, it was a bit deflating, wasn't it? That they then shelled two more tries after yeah. that, and yeah. that's and that's what's made it hard to yeah. take about this. That that it's arguably their best performance of the year, and in six months' time, it's just going to be another eighteen point loss in South Africa. That's the that's the disappointing part of it, I think. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, it's one of those games where, I mean, I did the player ratings on Green and Gold this week, and often, I mean, especially in the Robbie Deans era, which this seemed to happen, you know, a couple of times every year, even more, was that we'd play a horrible 75 minutes and get out of jail in the last five minutes with, yeah. with a late try. And, and, you know, you'd rate the players and you'd say, well, we won, but, you know, how, how much does five minutes of, of good play make up for 75 minutes of, you know, below par start? And this was kind of the exact opposite. You know, we had the 75 minutes of real quality let down by five minutes of crap at the end. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's and that, that was hard a, that to know where to put it. That was a point made on our side this week, that if we're going to take the, the last-minute wins, we've got to take the, the losses like this as yeah. well. And, that's, and you, you certainly can't get away from that. And, and that is you know probably fair to the way the way South Africa played. They, you made the point before, Reg, that it would be really interesting to see how they go against um, against the, the, the All Blacks in, in Joburg. We've given them the, almost the best warm-up game possible, haven't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, interesting one. And look, we'll, we've talked teams, but there's obviously a few players we need to single out. And the obvious one is Tavita Kuradrani, who had... Uh, probably his most significant game for the Wallabies. I, I've been a fan of Kuradranis for a while, and I, and I don't think I'm obviously not Robinson Crusoe there, but he really stood up this game. He made ground with ease, breaks, um, and you know a, a good offloading game uh, as well. But also his defensive effort. He made 17 tackles, which is the most in the backs. But some critical tackles, one on one, out of the line, really tough, aggressive um, attacking tackles as well. So fantastic performance by Tavita there, Hugh. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it was it was one of the best Wallaby performances I've seen for a year or so, over a couple of years, maybe even going back to David Parkock at the 2010 World Cup against South Africa. I mean, the thing I like about Kurundrani is he seems to be one of those players that steps up in the big games. You know, he he um, I could seem to remember in the France series he wasn't yeah. particularly outstanding. Uh, you know, he was okay, but you know, never let the side down, but never really came into the game. But he seemed. To, I remember he was really good in the third Bledisloe orbit, mm. which was a dead rubber last year, and he's he stepped up against the box in Perth and 
again now the box in South Africa. I think that's what I like about him. He stands up in, in the big matches. A couple of other players there, and it's hard to pinpoint the forwards, and, and Ewan made the point post-match that he felt bad for the starters because they did put the team in such a good position, but we're in the unusual position of our the Wallaby front row being in a really good spot at the moment. I mean, <laughs> in terms of Slipper and Kepu, and, and I, Ewan, I think you made the point in your ratings, Kepu had a fantastic game, and I, and I think it probably has gone somewhat unnoticed because there was so much talent, but he, you know, again, they all worked their ass off in defence, but he was very prominent in attack as well. Uh, James Slipper had his normal game, but Sayafainga was the other one that I thought had a great game, yeah. considering it was his first starting test for four years or so. Um, so the front row is looking nice and strong there, Brent. He was he was phenomenal, Sayafainga. No yeah. no question about it. I was certainly one of the one of the many who who wondered about that because I couldn't really work out what James Hansen had done wrong the week before. Mm. But what what Fanger did really really well was that making those low tackles that he did meant that. The Lucys and, and I'm thinking Scott Fardy particularly yeah. were able to get over the top and, and Fardy pinched three in the first 25 yeah. minutes, I think, from memory. So they, they, they got a lot of pay on that. Rob Simmons was another one who was pulling, pulling guys down early and mm-hmm. low, um, which was, and the Wallabies got, a, got a lot of pay out of that in the first half. So that was really, really good to see. And I think that's probably something to, to sort of, Put down in the notebook, I think, is a bit of a, a way forward. If even if it's not safeing, I think the lo- the low tackles and then storming over the top is is something. It's a bit of a point of a difference, dare I say, it, in the in the game at the moment. So he was fantastic. You're right about Kepu, and, and I have to admit, I didn't um, I didn't notice him so much in the game. But when I saw the stats, and then you know you go back through highlights, and he's just everywhere. He was he was really good. I was really happy for Fardy. We've mentioned. I was really happy for, for Sam Carter. Uh, yeah. Like you said before, 20-odd tackles and no misses. We don't realise sometimes how much work these guys get through. Um, and, yes, if they're not making line breaks, it's easy to not see them. But, you know, someone still needs to make, make the tackles, and I thought Carter was really good. Yeah, that's his game, Carter, isn't it? That I mean, yeah, that, it, is. it's, it, it suited him. It, it was a, the, he's great in those conditions, and that's why I'm looking forward to how he goes to the World Cup against the Northern Hemisphere teams, because I think that style suits him. He can just make tackle after tackle, hit ruck yeah. after ruck. I don't think he's suited to the fast and loose where he's mm. where he has to run the ball no. a lot, because I don't think that's a strength. Um, I agree with you what you said, Reg, about the scrum. I think at the ARU, you know how some workplaces have got a, a little ticker saying, you know, day since the last accident. Yep. I think at the ARU, they've got... <laughs> They, you know, matches since the last scrum capitulation, and I, and it's it's we've got to be hitting record it's territory. Ticking away, now, yeah. We? yeah it seems to be nearly, you know, nearly up to a month. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, all... that's a, that's a really that's a really good point though. The the the, the much vaunted box scrum weren't able to you know make a lot of ground. So yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah, I um, think I think our most honestly our two most important players for the Wallabies going forward in terms of their health is has got to be Slipper and Kepu because yeah, behind yeah. that, you know, the Robinson and Alexander are decent enough coming off the bench, but um, they're, they're so they're head and shoulders above, above them at the moment. So that's good to see. Yeah, the, the, form, the former props of the green and gold community are cheering <laughs> as we speak. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You've made some old fat blokes very happy. <laughs> well, I'm going to put the question to you guys. We, we talked about the attack and we, we didn't, um, probably make the most of our opportunities and I thought Falau was a bit quiet but again to me it comes down to that 9, 10, 12 axis isn't quite working yet. Now Phipps is one that has um, won me over somewhat this year. I think he's been excellent and I, and I maintain that he, he played well this test uh, albeit that one loose pass. 
you know, there's been fingers pointed at Tamua and his uh, effectiveness in at 12. He He's defending well. He, he still puts the hits on the line. Um, are we getting enough out of him from attack? Is that combination between 10 and 12 working there, Brett? What do you think? It was a little bit off this game. I think that's a, that's a fair comment. But I think, I mean, if we go back to the France tests, um, Foley and Tamua played quite well together, and and even even in parts against uh, against New Zealand as well. So um, yeah, like I don't think there's certainly Tamua didn't have his best game, um, and he, and we've talked about his kicking. His defence was very good, and and, and the mark of his defence was how the defensive shape fell away when he went off. Yeah. Um, I yes, he can certainly do more in attack, but I think he there's still glimpses there. He 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 straightened at the right point, and he looked up to know that the ball had to go through the hands before Kuradrani made the break that led to Ashley Cooper's try. Yep. He, he, could, he could easily have thrown that pass directly to, to, to Kuradrani or even directly to Ashley Cooper and they wouldn't have made the break. But he, he summed up the situation. He worked out what had to go on, gave it, gave it to Falau. Falau gave quick ball himself and that's what created the gap. So, you know, I, I think Tamua's still working there at, at, at 12. I, I think we're, perhaps we've just got to to, you know, put this one down as, as one of his um, not one of his best games yeah I, I agree I think it, it wasn't a game for the, for the I, I don't 12. think he's, I, I don't think, think Tamua was as bad as it's been made out but no, yeah let's, I, let's I, say that I kind of agree I think he look apart from the kicks really the kicks were his errors I mean it yes, wasn't like yeah. he was dropping passes or, or missing tackles or anything like that I mean the kicks are it's certainly forgivable but I think the thing was he got, as well, about Foley, because I didn't think Foley was great either. I mean, I didn't think he was bad, but it, it wasn't a game for for that sort of back line. Yep. No, that's I mean, true. The, the box weren't committing anyone to the ruck. They were fanning out in defence. So it was a game where we really had to break them down through the middle, and that's what we were trying to do. Um, yeah, look, I think Tamua, yeah, he, he's he's not setting the world on fire like he was at this point last year, and a part of me wonders whether he plays better outside Quade Cooper. But maybe that was just that he was in better form back then, and now he's not in quite good a form, and and the person inside him doesn't doesn't really make much of a difference. Um, yeah, look, he's a great player. He still deserves the spot, and no one's gonna no one's gonna be knocking him out anytime soon. But um, yeah, I'd probably like to see a bit more of that running crash ball stuff, and that's what we didn't see from him on on Saturday. I mean, that that sort of physical power, that presence that we know he has, I think it's probably just gone missing a bit in the last couple of games, and I'd like to see that come back. I think I think part of I think part of that was that Jean de Villiers especially was was oh. doing a Tamur on Tamur. Yeah, there, so he was getting up really quick, and so Tamur didn't really have a lot of chance to, to run that crash ball line, like you say. So I think, um, I, I still think Foley Tamur is going better than than Beal Tamur was in the, in the yeah. two Bledisloe tests. Oh, and yeah, that's, yeah, and that's admittedly coming from a low base, I suppose, but I think it's worth it's it's certainly worth sticking with. I don't think there's any point, you know, reacting at, at this stage. That all said, at this point in time, Tamu is still under a bit of a cloud, and um, and and they're following the concussion protocols at this point before they work out whether he's good to go this weekend coming. Well, and that's right. And let's let's get on to Argentina, but and wrap that up by saying, um, you know, so the South Africans went on to win twenty eight ten, and we now wait another year. Also, uh, I guess the next time we play uh, at Cape Town, it was been 90, 92 since we last won there. Um, 
and this was our real opportunity, which, as Brett said earlier, really makes that, that last few minutes even harder to take. But we are off to Argentina. It's taken a while for the boys to get there. Their luggage may not be quite there yet. We know what... <laughs> They might be playing in cities. <laughs> exactly. We, we, as someone suggested today, it might guarantee Jake Schatz and Will Skelton a start because they might be the only ones who've got their gear. Um, they're obviously flown over as replacements. Benny McCalman's on his way home, unfortunately. But Simo and uh, Matty T are both under injury clouds um, for this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what shapes up there. Uh, Brett, so it's still early days. We haven't heard any confirmation as to whether those no, guys will No, no. Um, there, there was a word came back from, uh, from well, I think they're still in Brazil at the moment, um, that that they were going to be given as much time as they possibly could. So we won't hear the team until very late Thursday night, maybe even early Friday morning, our time. Um, and my read of the tea leaves is that Tamur is probably more likely than Simmons. Right. Um, I, I think I think Simmons knocked they were particularly worried about, uh, and that was why he didn't go back on at half time. Whereas, and Tamur was happening in, in the second half, obviously. Mm. But I, I I just sort of get the impression that that there's more concern about Simmons, and 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 hence then the need for um, for Skelton to go over, which may actually may actually mean that um, that Fardy is actually the lock cover. We, we might actually see Hodgson and Schatz come onto the bench. I, I'd expect Higginbotham will go straight into eight. So um, it will be interesting to see how they go. If Tamua doesn't play, then I suppose it becomes a bit of a lottery at inside centre. Lila Fano is the only other listed centre in the squad, but obviously Beal's an option, Rob Horn's even an option. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's caused a bit of debate on the forum, hasn't it, Hugh? I mean, yeah. no one can quite get their head around who might be the next 12 option. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I kind of hope Tamua plays. <laughs> Just yeah. To yeah, I, I, I do too. The... I, I do too, because I don't but... think we really need to find out who might be yeah. next in line. Agree. Especially in you know, Argentina away, I'm not sure. Yeah, if it's anything like last year, that, you know, you kind of hope it is, but they didn't show up last year. But the year before that, it was a really close game. I mean, mm. it... It's a tough one. I mean, Simmons, I, I think Simmons could probably do with a rest. He was getting mm. into a bit of yeah. form there, but uh, that wouldn't worry me. I'd like to see Hall given a shot and Skelton come back. I think that's that's another little question mark that we'd like to see solved. Because I think Hall will... Look, he made a lot of tackles in that last 30 minutes that he was on last half, but um, whether he's got that effectiveness, you know, that big bruising effectiveness that he used to have is still... The jury's still out for me. But I'd like to see him given a shot against the Argies to prove it. Um, yeah, look, I think... It, You'd be tempted to experiment with the side at the moment, but I don't know really where we need to. I mean, we kind of know where the squad's at. We don't. I don't think there's any untested. There's no youngsters coming in that are knocking, down, banging down the door for a spot. No. I think the, the. I mean, and that's probably a good thing. The team we've got's the team we've got. We we're aware of what everyone can do. So I don't think it's now's the time to be really playing around with it too much. And yeah. it's it's. Pro- I suppose it's it's pro- probably a point worth making, and we and we can say this with no disrespect to Argentina at all, but this is probably the game you can get away with a few yep. little yeah. uncomfortable selections, dare I say it. You'd, you'd, you'd be glad they'd gone to South Africa first, if, you know, in, in this situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. And, and look, I think it's the this, it's this thing across all the teams, everyone's falling over the finish line of, of this mm. championship, and that's the way it always is going to be. You're not going to have your full squad at the last game, so, you know, this is the this is just how it, how life is, I suppose. It's one of the one of the, the the positives I don't mind seeing from a few injuries, which are unfortunate, as you say, Brett. It'll be great to see Higgins start a Test match. He's he's shown some positive form off the bench. He's 
he was one of the quiet ones on the weekend, but the week before, the last previous couple of weeks, he'd, he'd made a real impact. So this is his chance to start and, and show us what he can do and that he's capable capable of being a starting ten, uh, so starting eight, sorry. Um, but likewise, I'd be impressed if he could be a start, starting <laughs> yeah. ten. Well, some might say he's a starting fourteen. Um, but, um, but likewise, as you say, Hugh Kev gets a start. That's great. But then Skelton, the impact of Will Skelton, if he comes onto the bench, or albeit Shatsy, if Shatsy gets a chance. But Brett, if you're saying um, uh, there might even be a chance of, of Fards going to lock and uh, Hodgson on the side, all I, those things excite me as an opportunity. I, I just, I've got, I've just got major reservations about Skelton at the moment. I, I, I honestly think he's actually gone backwards in the last sort of month, six weeks, since, since the end of Super Rugby, essentially. And that's, he's probably a, He's probably a victim of uh, of, um, of being the twenty fourth man, if, yeah. if that if that makes sense. He, he, yeah. he didn't get a lot of game time there for a month, and now that he's gone back, he went back to the to the stars in the NRC for a couple of games. And and admittedly, I've only seen a little bit of the stars games, but the re- the reports that I've that I've read and, and and the tips that I've heard from people that have seen him is that he hasn't necessarily been standing out. He's I mean he's been standing out because of his size, but he hasn't really been standing out by deed and. And I, I just, I just wonder about him, and that's why I say that maybe Fardy becomes the the, the lock cover, um, and like that they can actually start two back rowers on the on the bench. I'd certainly like to see that tried, and I, I'm I, obviously you and but the thing about Fardy is like, as I obviously you and McKenzie doesn't think it can happen from my observation from afar because we haven't even seen him slot in there. As a sub, I don't think. I'm just trying to... Yeah, as, as in when they haven't even pulled Simmons off and brought Hodgson on and put Fardy in at the No, I don't, oh, I, I don't, don't think, think they've had to. I don't think they've had to, mate. I, I think they've they've always been bringing Fardy off and putting yeah, Higginbotham on putting or someone Hodgson else on. Or, so, so I don't think I, they've, I had, they've been forced down that route. I'd certainly like to see it because if he can do it, and I, I have my reservations as to whether he's big enough, but if he can if he can you know, pull off Lockett at test level. Well, that just gives us so many more options yeah. uh, at, at the selection table. Um, and so that would certainly be an asset to have. I, I just I just think, and again, because it's against Argentina, you can probably get away with it. But you could, yeah. you could pro- I, I, I mean, you could make the argument Hodgson was unlucky to, to, to not be on the bench against, against the box. So, yeah. so Hodgson coming straight back on in a back row spot makes sense to me. And then... If you look at someone like Jake Schatz, who has been playing, you know, reasonably well for the last few weeks for for Brisbane City, then, you know, I, I don't think having another potential number eight blindside um, player in the in the in the in the running is necessarily a bad thing. And 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 again, if it means that, you know, Carter or Hall will come off with twenty to go, and 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 Fardy goes into into lock, and he plays uh, he plays the the loose head lock, if you like, for the Brumbies when he plays there. So, it's not as if he's going to be you know, on the tight head side of things. So it shouldn't be overly taxing on him, if you like. So I, I just think, like like you say, this is a game that you can probably get away with that sort of experiment. Yeah, interesting times. Well, let's leave it there. I mean, there's no point going into too much. As you say, Brett, the Wallaby team will be named and, and it'll be named late. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and then, you know, all the discussions can be had there in the forum. We want to move on to now, and it's come up a few times, so it's a great segue into the NRC, and we'll, we'll go over the results from the weekend. And it was a it was a great 
round of NRC again, and that's we're getting into sort of broken record stuff. Um, and, and you know, we've got a few diehards here who are big believers in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was an interesting round, and Melbourne Rising continued their way and scored another uh, bonus point win this time over the Vikings. It was a Thursday night game, um, which which was a, a top of the table clash. So it re-emphasises the quality of that Rising team. Um, the Rays and the Rams had a had a high-scoring draw at 34 apiece uh, there on Sunday Arvo. Um, the match at Ballymore, uh, where Brisbane City ran away, well, wasn't didn't run away. 29-13, they came back. They were down, I think it was 10-0 early on, thanks to a couple of uh, a country early tries to Tommy Pincus and JJ Tulungi. Um, but came back and won that 29-13. We'll talk more about that. And then wrapping it up, the Perth Spirit ran away 63-21 to over the struggling Sydney Stars. So another quality round. I think it was probably the highest round uh, of of crowd numbers. Um, obviously, Bill- oh, com- comfortably, comfortably by by two or three thousand. In yep. fact, it was yeah, up, up pushing up near eleven and a half thousand, I think. Yep. And that's with that's with the uh, the Reds still running with their at least 5,000 figure at, uh, at Ballymore, which more than a few people have told me that it was you know, probably six comfortably and maybe even pushing seven. So um, I haven't heard any more on, on that, but um, but nearly 3,000 at Brookvale as well for, for the Rays and Rams. So that's, it's, it's great. It is. So let's talk at three guys. Uh, this Your impressions of this round, let's talk micro first and then we'll start talking macro about the NRC, w- where we stand this, this latest round. Brett, what do you, what'd you think of the footy? Oh, another another cracking round of of games. I thought um, I thought this was going to be a really big test for for Canberra on last last Thursday yeah. night against Melbourne, and and I have to admit I was disappointed. I think their their midfield defence particularly was um, was disappointing, if we're perfectly honest. And I think that's been reflected in the changes they've made this week. So Robbie Coleman's coming into ten for for their game against the Rays on on Thursday night, um, and you know they. I, th- I just think they there's more questions about about the Vikings. There's there's so many similarities between the Vikings of 2014 and the Canberra Vikings of 2007 that it's that it's not funny. It's, they're just they came into the competitions with so much expectation. They've just haven't quite nailed their their their, their run. They've I don't think they've put out the same 15 no. um, two two weeks in a row yet, and that's got to be a little bit of a concern. The combinations still aren't there. So um, that all said. Melbourne were missing uh, Sean McMahon and Lepetti Tamani didn't see the game out. And they, I don't know that they'll be entirely happy with that performance. Um, they just sort of looked a bit off, dare, dare I say. They mm. certainly weren't as good at the breakdown without without Tamani and, uh, and McMahon there. Um, but that might not necessarily be a bad thing for them because I think you know, with the buy as well, they'll rest a few bodies this this week, and you know they could really do some damage in the run home. So that was uh, the the big thing for me. I thought Brisbane City Queensland was a really really good game, yeah. um, just you know, really really enjoyable. And I have to and I and and the Rays Rams was a bit scrappy, but um, not completely unexpected. If I can be, it it, it actually reminded me of a shoot shield semi final. Yeah, that makes sense. And 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 Perth Sydney, I think, was ran out about as about as as expected. I think I think Perth were always going to be too good there. Yeah. Now, Hugh, you're at Rams Rays. Do you get out there on Sunday? Yeah, I was out at Brookvale on Sunday. Perth. Oh, absolute cracker of a, of a day. 
and uh, you know beautiful conditions for rugby and a, and a great crowd. And I tell you what, it was just the perfect. It's Brookie's a great oval for that because if you want to sit in the stand, you can come up and sit in the stand and have a great view of things. If you've got the kids there, you can go and play on the hill, sit on the hill. There's a you know great canteen facilities. Everything didn't really have to queue for a beer. It was fantastic, and of course everyone came onto the field afterwards. And great to see the juniors out there kicking the ball around and. And you've got to reckon that most of those 2,900 that were there are going to come back the next mm. time it's played. So the, bit, look, the, big, the big question there, Hugh, is it seems to be the measure of all the, the NRC venues was how was the steak sandwich? Well, uh, controversially, the, 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 I don't think there was one. Uh, <gasps> yeah, I know. I, I, I certainly – the canteen I was at had pies and sausage rolls, but uh, – Nothing, um, nothing in the way of a traditional rugby barbecue. So I certainly have written a number of letters to various levels of government to try and fix that. But <laughs> I, was, um... I, I got up to Wade Park in Orange the week before, and the day started with probably the best steak sandwich of the year, and finished with a sneaky glass of white. So a white. I heard it was, so a far, was pretty... the farmers market. Oh, oh, it, was, it, was, it was a sensational day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, the, the on the field, it, it, look, it, it did. Remind you of two mid-table teams, mid to lower table teams slugging it out. They were, and yeah. and both teams were without some of their really bigger guns. Guys like Naya Oro and Cam Crawford for the for the Rays. I mean, it, and you know, it looked a game devoid of that little touch of class that that some mm. of the other teams have. In in the case of the Rising, a bucket load of class. So yeah. it, look, it was it, but it was entertaining in the end, and the and the rules worked out perfectly for it. And you see a draw with a last minute. You know, kick on the on the buzzer to level it up. So I, I think no one could really complain about about how it all went down on the field. But I, I want to talk about the the rising. I mean, mm. do, can can we shut the can we shut the door on this comp and say the rising? Yep. It's the risings to lose. Six six played, yep. six won, six bonus points. Um, is it is it sort of signed, sealed, delivered? You know, is that is that it? I, I wrote I wrote two weeks ago that if they don't host the final, I'll be both shocked and stunned. Um, and and the your point you just made there that that's theirs to lose is absolutely spot on. So in our the little the little cheap seats podcast that I or that I do as well, we had the question of, of who was going to beat the rising, and I, and I said perhaps themselves yeah. that that they, they might just drop a game in the run home that they just shouldn't. Well, yeah, um, I, I think the, the that's, worry that's the only way I can see them dropping a game now. I think the worry is actually. It... You know, it's almost like, and you occasionally see it across all different sports. Is they go through the season undefeated, semi-final, and then they get to the grand final, yeah. and they face a team like Brisbane City, or you know, or someone like the Eagles, or someone with a bit of momentum that are coming in, and and that really give it to them in the first twenty twenty-five minutes, and all mm. of a sudden they're behind on the scoreboard for the first time in the year, and they start to panic. That's the only thing I can see beating them. You know, so in, I've just I've just brought up the draw while you've been saying that here. They've got the bye this weekend coming, and then they've got Greater Sydney at Parramatta in round eight, and Queensland Country in at in Melbourne in round nine. So I can't see them dropping those two games even. So they can finish. I think I've worked out they can finish on a maximum of forty points, and on current form, you wouldn't bet against not, it. No, you wouldn't bet against it at all. Well, in, which, in which in which case they could finish. Uh, nine points clear of second. Yeah. Look, I've got no doubt they'll finish one, they'll host the finals. But I think there's only one team that can beat them, and I think that's Brisbane City. Uh, but that much of that depends, and that's ironic, considering they had 70 points put on them by, yeah, by the Rising not too long ago. But that's dependent on test selection, to be quite frank. Yes, that's true. Yeah. If Genia and uh, Quaid, uh, for whatever reasons, uh, decided to uh, to stay in, in NRC, that's not a bad 
uh, halves combination to, to play out the rest of the season there. Um, and there's a few other players there you might consider as well. You know, who knows what Shatsy will end up doing. But Kevy Horwell as well could be a, a fantastic uh, addition towards the end of the season. Well, and that's, and that's something that we have got to actually consider because they will be... I think the Wallabies players are theoretically available for the semis. Mm. So it, the quandary there for both NRC teams and the ARU becomes, do we actually put these guys in or have they done enough? Um, yeah, and I suppose it's going to be case-by-case basis. It will, um, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got a... Do we, is, there, is there more we want to talk about the about these games just gone? or? No. Let's move no, on, well, mate. We want to talk I've, NRC I've, I've got a theory about Quade Cooper, then, oh, just, right. just while we're on that. I, I wonder if in the first piece of decent competition marketing, they might actually keep him in the NRC and yep. just let him play it out. Because yep. he would, as we saw on the weekend, he will bring... He, he could double gates over the next month, he, couldn't he? He is sure to have a, a significant impact, or you would hope he would. And if the, the Rams are wise, they'd be all over this on their game this week. Is it Friday night they're playing? It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm actually going up for it, though. Yeah. They've actually invited me, invited me to come up for it. So, oh, yeah, and, and I believe they are doing that. They are going to start providing the fact that... <laughs> Oh, sorry, mate. Well, mate well, actually, actually, does it? It does actually seem to have Hugh crossed out. Plus, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and I do know that they are. I think they've been making noises on Facebook and Twitter that that yeah, you know, this is your chance to come and see Quade Cooper. Yep. Uh, and they'd be mad not to not to cash in on that. So uh, again, just looking forward. North Harbour hosts Brisbane City round eight, and then they play. Canberra and round nine at home, so oh, and that's the um, curtain raised before the Bledisloe. Yeah, exactly, so. and, and and even that was mooted as before. Uh, Stalsy kindly uh, broke the story of of Quaid coming back last weekend on our podcast last week. Um, that was being mooted as a game where you might see Quaid come back in that game, and what that might actually do to Bledisloe Cup ticket sales, um, which yeah, uh, you know, and which aren't. Like a traditional they could have the be- they could have the best of both worlds, couldn't they? They could, yeah. they could sell Bledisloe tickets and Quade could play as well, just not in the same game. Yeah, well, if they're <laughs> if they're smart, they might even sneak Carmichael Hunt under the bench of the the Brisbane City team oh, as well. well. Now you're yeah. talking. Now you're talking. I mean, this. Wait, I mean, can you we get Sunny Villain as well. If yeah. you write this down, Reg, that's that's formally a marketing plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Well, mate, I just want to touch on it, and we'll talk about the Quade and the impact of Quade. We've talked about the crowd at, at Ballymore on Sunday. Uh, I'd encourage you, the Reds have just released a video called Around the Grounds at Ballymore. It really catches perfectly that afternoon at Ballymore on Sunday afternoon. But what they did well is they... Carmichael Hunt was there first time uh, in Reds colours, you know, signing autographs. They had the Tongan Thor out there. that They'd flown him out as well. And he was out there in his red shirt and so on. And, and, and as well as the young uh, Daniel P, as I'm calling him, who's been signed from the Broncos, uh, was all out there. So they had all their new signings out there at Ballymore mingling with the crowds. They've done a great job of really connecting uh, this yeah. game with what their season is for next year. So, I, sure I, think, I think the Reds, um, I think the Reds, particularly for that this city-country game, um, were, have, did a really, really good good job of the marketing. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm fairly aware of what they, what they do because they seem to be sending me emails every week. About, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what we're doing. And, yeah. and, and you know, we've got, I'm sure you guys did too. You know, we got, we got a phone call early last week saying, you know, what can we do to be a little bit more proactive this week? And, yeah. you know, can we send you this? Can we send it? And, and that's fantastic. That's, that's exactly what you, what you, what you see. They were, 
it was in, early on. There was a little bit of criticism that that oh yeah, the two Queensland teams have done nothing. They, you know, what, what are they doing? And mm. then we sort of we sort of when people sort of got used to the fact that well, the Reds have already got thirty five thousand Twitter followers. Why does it matter that the two NRC teams have only got five hundred? Where yeah. the Reds are retweeting everything anyway, and that was the whole plan. And it was and it was very smart in that regard. They've they haven't reinvented the wheel. They've just tacked on to what they've already got and what's been working well. So that that worked really well. I, I was watching the city-country game side-by-side with the, the Rams and, and the Rays from Brookvale, and, and the thing that struck me was the, was the, the sight of everyone pouring onto the field on, on, on full-time. That was It was just a, a wonderful sight, and lingered for 20 minutes, half an hour. It yeah. looked like there were still players signing autographs in the middle of all that. So it was, it was fantastic, and, and, and the clubs in general... I think have to be congratulated for what they've been doing almost in spite of the competition marketing, if we can, if we can say that. I think the, the clubs have had to do the heavy lifting because they realise there hasn't been a lot of support coming from above. And, and, and you know, whether that's been for lack of marketing funds or lack of resources or both, you know, be that as it may, but the, the clubs have, have done in and worn the expense and they've got in and done what they had to do. Yeah, let's talk about that. And so it's a chance now to talk broader NRC and, and that promotion side of things, the big question. Have they done enough? And I, and I acknowledge I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm a surprise, surprise, a bit of a rugby tragic. I, I love this stuff. But I, I mean, it still shocks me that there's rugby fans out there on the forum and all that sort of stuff saying, oh, I didn't know this competition was on. Is it being streamed? Yeah. All that sort <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And it is a massive challenge. The ARU don't. We know their financial struggles. The the clubs or the the the, the NRC teams are really working hard to, to get it out there, and and I guess social media is probably the easiest and cheapest way to do that. Um, but the guys of the Rams and and and, uh, uh, and obviously the two Queensland teams, the Spirit are well engaged, uh, are really leading the way in terms of how they're they're getting that across. Hugh, what's your perception of how the whole promotion of this NRC is tracking? Yeah, look, it's. Obviously done on a shoestring budget across the board, and that's you know ultimately you'd love a, a, a good TV ad or a, you know some billboards around the place or something. So you, you, you know, love another, you don't know me yet. Yeah, that yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think you've just got to realise it's you know it's the first year. I don't think you're expecting too much and I think they've got the basics right and I think the the promotion and the marketing and the merchandise and that stuff is the is the stuff that hopefully comes you know it flows on from that it flows on from the fact that we've got a good product on the field uh the games are close the games are exciting they're played at good grounds at good times with you know uh, hopefully bigger and bigger crowds so I think that's Hope, you know, as I keep saying, hopefully, but you know that's that's the end point that we can, and as you can see, the teams are getting better as we go through the season. So one can only imagine with an, with another year to to sit back and and plan things a bit better. Um, that can only improve. It's a really good and, point. And that's a, that's a that's, yeah. yeah, that is a that is a really good point because a lot of these, uh, a lot of the teams, and you can throw the the, the Queensland teams in there, and particularly um, someone like the Rams who had two feeder clubs in the grand final the week before the competition started. Mm. Um, so from from what I understand and from what I've read, the Rams only had one training session uh, as, as, a, as a complete squad before their first game. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. If you can... Coaches and things like that are, in, are, are locked in now for next, for next season and, and are actually able to give a full 
you know, a full program of planning and, 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 and recruitment and, you know, marketing planning and all that sort of thing going into next season, then they're all already starting in a better position next year than, than, than they have this year. I, I think, um, I think from a competition point of view, the, the, the lack of, the lack of top-level marketing has been really disappointing. Um, yeah. and, and I say that having spoken to Andrew Fagan a number of times early on and, and, and we we, you know, we ran the information that they provided at, at, at the time and and to see the number of things that were mentioned that just haven't been delivered has been disappointing. And then I suppose the, to top it off, Fagan announcing his yeah. his departure mid-competition. And, and I think that's been a real hit on, on, on what the the ARU communications guys are doing and I and we've I'm sure we've all we've all spoken that we know how hard working they are but I I just wonder now you know where the directions coming from how they're actually organizing themselves how they're operating because uh, it's it's all very much a uh, it, it feels like a hodgepodge type thing and so you know what the Queensland team's doing is different to what Canberra's doing mm. and that's different to what Perth's doing and and you know so everyone's putting out different programs and everyone's do, using different streaming platforms or not because they didn't know yeah. about it and they haven't yep. got the funds for yeah. it and it's just all you know up and down and up in the air and, and it and, and 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 the I don't want to say the critics, but but those who you know, the non-believers dare I say it's it's easy for them to jump on and say oh well the crowds are shit and you know the you know, nothing's happening it's all different here and 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 from the outside looking in it's easy to make that conclusion and so you'd like to think and and again hopefully like you say you it's a lesson learned for next year and 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 they they realise that things do have to happen more at a, at a competition level so I, I mentioned programs there but something something as, as small and as as, as seemingly insignificant as a program, yeah. you, all of a yeah. sudden you're talking 500 bucks to get, you know, a thousand of them printed, for example. But that's 500 bucks for, for four home games. And whereas you think back to the ARC, and there was one competition program per round, mm. and and then they were just distributed to the to the games. And that's that's a little expense that the club the, cl- the clubs weren't expected expecting to have to wear. That they've had to, and, yeah. and you can throw streaming into that as well. So, um, yeah, as we say, hopefully it's lessons learned for next year. Yeah, it's interesting timing, Brett. You, you, it's, you say that about the AU and the, the gap there, or the, the lack of leadership at the moment, because we are about to enter a real critical stage of this season, whereby AFL season's just finished, NRL finishes on Sunday. Yeah, it, it is fact effectively rugby. This is the rest of you know A League starts soon enough, but. The the NRC has the ability to grab a bit of focus for a little while. Um, and if you think back to when to when uh, to when Bill Pulver announced the NRC, he he said he very deliberately said we're going to avoid the grand finals, mm. but then after that, this competition will get clean air. Yeah. And so the clean air is about to arrive. So let's take advantage of it. Now. Let's talk about how we judge this tournament, Hugh. You know, again on the forum, there's been a bit of talk about the the crowds and so on. Um, is that how we judge? How, how do we judge the success of this tournament? Do you think this year? Oh, look, I, I don't know. I think you've just got to make sure that the on the field product, as I said before, that the games are, are entertaining, the games are skillful, and there is a clear difference between that and club rugby, and, and we can see its place in the overall spectrum. Um, I think that's that's the first thing. I think another another little indicator would be, you know, if we've unearthed some new talent that we didn't know about before, I think, and I think we've certainly done that with, 
you know, guys like Jack Debrusini and um, Andrew Kellaway and these sort of guys that that uh, have come through. And I think I think the crowds are important because it's a measure of how much the community um, are getting behind the competition. And, and if they keep growing, uh, I think that that's certainly another real real thing that we can take away that that the crowds are, were certainly a lot bigger in week nine, week ten than they were in week one. I think I think they're probably the three big big pillars for me. Yeah, I'd like to jump on that player thing. That's it's it's the obvious one, and, and the crowds have been improving. But I a lot of people have used that as a I guess as a, a benchmark or a, a failure for us. But the players, the, the crowd, the crowds have actually been pretty steady. They've, yeah. they've been sort of plus or minus two thousand from from game one. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's, they've stayed pretty steady the whole and, way through. And I don't think we've had any of those shockers because I remember the bloody aces or the tornadoes back in two thousand and seven had some, you know, uh, triple figure type stuff under a thousand. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it's obviously up since then. But the players is a big one, and, and this is what this tournament has provided us. It's provided almost four or five tiers of players. So, you know, this is a chance for a player like Quay to come back. Now, if the NRC wasn't on, he wouldn't be playing now. Even if the Premier Rugby season was extended back to its usual time, it'd be finals now, and unfortunately Quay plays for Souths, and they wouldn't have been in the finals. So he would not mm. have an avenue to play. You've got the guys like JJ Tulungi, who... Um, has used this competition to reassert or regain his confidence. You know, he's a young guy who's only come on the scene in the last 18 months or so, uh, was really thrown into Super Rugby before he really deserved to, um, and struggled. And, and you got no doubt that his confidence would have taken his beating. His form in the last couple of weeks has been fantastic and, and has got mm. me really excited about what he can do um, next season. Then you've got those... So, so he's using it as a, to reinsert himself on that, that stepping stone. You've got those unheralded guys. Well, the, the guys who are sort of bustling through, and he, almost at JJ's, but you, you mentioned him, Hughes, that Jack Debrazani, he has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he is... I reckon he's a real dark horse for Wallaby contention in the next couple of years, mate. He just looks such a solid player. And, and some of the skills he showed even Thursday night's match to score and then to set up, uh, set up you know, the, the second try there was just fantastic. And then you've got these no-names, which, again, you like to see the Sam Windsors and the like who are coming mm-hmm. through, um, who are, again, stepping up. And I just think it's ticking all boxes from a player perspective uh, in terms of providing an avenue for all those sorts of outcomes. I'll, I'll, I'll just pick up on, on that, Rich. I've, I've spoken to players in all those categories, and you've mentioned Sam Windsor there, and he's he's one. But I've spoken to... Um, so, so Sam Windsor is, is a guy who's 27, and I've mistakenly written twice that he's you know one of the young brigade and, and he got in touch via twitter and said thanks <laughs> um, but yeah he's a, he's a guy who's 27 he's, he's he had a little bit of involvement in the brumbies program you know over the last sort of three or four years um had a season over playing club rugby in ireland and he's just come back a, a better player again now and he's a he's a really really handy player mm. it just seems to have time but he's loving the chance to to play at a bit better than first grade level in sydney and to you know try and play in the shop front, dare, dare I say it. And then there's a guy like Cam Trelaw who's yeah. come back from France, and he is absolutely loving the NRC. He he realised that this is probably his professional rugby swan song, and he just wants to go out and see that, you know, see if he can go out on top. He's, he's already made noises about... Um, he's, he's already told Coomer, he's, where he's from, that he's, he'll play his last game for them, and that's right. fantastic. Whether that's, you know, next season or, you know, in two seasons' time or whatever, it doesn't really matter when it is, but he's he's loving having come back from France for, after, after a couple of seasons and having a run around, seeing some new players coming through. And then I've spoken to Jed Holloway, 
who's the Rams captain, who's had a, a fantastic season and who we knew about to a degree through, through the Waratahs. But I don't think we quite realise how good this mm. kid could, could be. And and I very deliberately say kid because he's still only he's not quite twenty two. Right? And he's, he's 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 not quite twenty two. He's he's captain in our NRC team. He captain a Shoot Shield uh, Grand Final team, and he could be a very very handy player in a couple of years' time. So so from that front. The NRC has absolutely ticked all boxes. And then I'll throw into that that we're seeing young coaches like mm, exactly. Sean Hedge, Hedger come through, like Nick Styles, like mm. Dan McKellar. Like, you know, it's, so it's developing new coaches. We're developing new referees. Michael Hogan's a young young guy who I hadn't seen before, didn't know about. And, and we the first time I saw him was, was in Orange two weeks ago. And, and we were wondering around who is this referee, and I happened to see Andrew Lees after the, after the end of the game, and I just said, "Who was that there in the middle?" And he said, "Well, it's it's Michael Hogan, a young guy who's come through, and and that's really important." So we've seen young referees like like Michael Hogan and Will Houston from um, come through. Uh, Graham Cooper from from Perth is another one. Um, uh, a couple of the girls have mm, been on the exactly, sideline, yep. um, um, and uh, forgive me, my their names have completely escaped me. <laughs> um, and I'm uh, yeah, Amy Parrot and uh, Sarah. Ah, damn it! I'm sorry. My very humble oh, apologies to I them. Help you. Um, no, no, and, and they've been on the, they've been on the sidelines, and that's that's fantastic to see that. And we I think we forget about this. It's not just the the players that, that are coming through. It's the it's the new coaches, it's the new referees, it's the new physios, it's the new media people. Dare we dare we say it? Um, you know, administrators, the whole work. So it's it's been really really good across the competition. Yeah, agree. Worth noting, Reg, actually, you forgot to put. They're also supportive of this podcast too. They so. are. I was going to get. Yeah. They are great supportive <laughs> of the podcast. And, and I should also mention that while you know, an opportunity for players, opportunity for coaches, opportunities for referees, it's also an opportunity for bloggers. We're, we're grinning yeah, gold rugby yeah. is bringing through a, a whole new realm of of bloggers who uh, we haven't utilised much before. So it's we're loving it. And and to and to be honest, the the dare, dare I say it, the 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 niche. Sporting websites, where which is probably yep. where we all exactly. all fit, have become the realm of this competition. And and the I ran into Rob Clark up in Orange a couple of weeks ago, and this it was actually the day before he was appointed to his new ARU job. And and I had met Rob a few years ago, and but before I had the chance to say who I was, he said, "G'day, Brett. Good to see you." And so he knows who we yeah. are. He knows yeah. that we're doing a really good job. And that's I mean that's mine blowing yeah, to be yeah. perfectly honest but it's but it's really it's really good and and i've heard anecdotally of of people saying you know well, we're getting all our information off off the raw or off green and gold yeah. and you know what are, what are you guys doing to confirm that and 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 i'm hearing anecdotally that the aru might even be saying well so are we so whether that's, that's true or not I, yeah, well, yeah. Whenever, I, whenever i call bill pulver up at his house late at night <laughs> he's up on me. Oh, there you go <laughs> so, but you're right. It's 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 unearthed a, a whole new wave of, um, you know, of, of rugby media. Yep. So it's 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 important. Well, let's touch on the media then. I'm cognizant of the time, but I want to touch on the media. Where to for the broadcasting of the thing? Obviously, we've got the Thursday night games with Fox Sports, and as we've talked about, the streaming has become more and more into play. Where you can, we haven't had it yet, but we're getting close to a full round of online yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might have been this round yeah. coming, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be. Unfortunately, I think uh, I've heard whispers that the Stars are going to do it, do a game, um, and I'm 
fairly confident without being certain that the Rams are doing theirs on Friday night, oh, but correct. I don't think Perth are going to have, have have their game done. So, yeah, I was, I was thinking the same thing. This could be the first round. Brett, uh, have you heard but, anything from Fox Sports on how they're um, uh, are judging it? Yeah, well, I have. I, I've had a had a chat to, to someone, and I, and I won't yep. reveal who, but someone who's been intimately involved in the NRC for Fox Sports, and and his his words to me was that they were really really happy, and and I even said to them, what about the ratings? Because we know that mm. the, the the games aren't appearing in the top twenty subscription TV programs yep. of Thursday night, um, and that realistically. Only I think AFL 360 is the only sports program that is. So, so we're talking ratings of less than forty thousand. Um, but but this this person said no, they were they were quite happy with that because they were they weren't expecting massive numbers, and what they have been getting has been sort of high thirties, you know, mid thirties, pushing forty, which is way more than they expected. But more importantly for them, it's pulled Rugby HQ up. Yeah, okay, uh, which, prob- which probably right. you know gives you an idea of perhaps how poorly that might have been rated yeah. beforehand so uh, and and bill pulver has told me this too that, that, that fox have been quite quite happy about it i'm then aware that my espn colleague greg Groudon mentioned a few weeks ago that that fox had been making a few noises that they hadn't but that they'd been sold a dud perhaps and they weren't happy and 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 i'd had the chat with my fox sports rep that uh, source that very same week so you know make of that what you will or like oh, I think um, we, I'm sure we've all thought the same thing that you know we'd love Fox to pick up a second game and, and even you know maybe that that uh, Bledisloe curtain raiser given yeah. that they're already going to have the cameras there in place would be would be an ideal situation for them and that may still happen yet I think um, I think perhaps what we don't realise is is how expensive it is mm. for Fox Sports to, to 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 do a to do a game if we think that they paid 1.5 million for the rights. To do 14 games, which is you know, nine games plus the uh, plus the finals, they're essentially paying 1.5 again. Yeah, realistically, right. it's it's probably upwards of 100 grand to do a game. So, right. you know, I'm sure they'd love to be able to do more, but you know, it's a commercial decision for them as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk the future. Let's talk next year at least. Um, Hugh, what's your vision? Any dramatic changes to the the tournament? I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure the easy one would love to see it on on uh, TV more, but any expectations? Do we drop teams? Do we need more teams? Do we change teams? Rules? Anything like that? Anything that jumps to mind from your perspectives? Look, I'd be very surprised if they change the, the teams as they as they are at the moment. It seems like the competition is structured pretty well. I don't think you'd be bringing a tenth team. The one team I think would be looking hard at themselves would be the Stars. Obviously, it's just not working out with the partnership between Balmain and Sydney Uni. It's just not cutting it in terms of the greater competition. Um, doesn't hurt. Doesn't help them that the Sydney Uni. You know, a lot of the Sydney Uni players are playing for the other teams, mm. like the Rising, especially. You know, you'd think a guy like Mitch Inman would would look pretty good in the Stars backline and certainly help them a lot. But the so they're the guys that probably might need to expand as to where they're where they're recruiting from. But I, I think the rules. Obviously, that's a lot dependent on on where the you know the game stands uh, at a national level, and also things like the IRB. But I think that the balance is pretty good. I would like to see, as a few people have said, that the value of the try be brought up to six, as opposed to the value of the conversion being pushed up to three. Yeah. I never understood quite why it was uh, the decision was made the way it was. Um, but um, other than that, I think you. you I think just given another year, given the teams a bit more time to get together and do some training sessions mid, you know, during 
the odd training session during the club season as it's happening and, and getting themselves a little bit more uh, ensconced in the communities where they are. I think, yeah, I, I don't think they'd be looking to uh, to renovate the competition too much. What about yourself, Brett? Yeah, that's that's the only the only tweak that I was going to say was that if we if we are if we do want eight point tries and if we do want this attacking focus, then just tweak the split and go back to six points for a try and two for a conversion. And and, and I have to admit I didn't think of it before the competition started, but it became someone said it um, after the first round yeah. that three unconverted tries shouldn't be worth more. Uh, sorry, two converted tries shouldn't be worth more than three unconverted tries. Yeah. And and that was the situation we saw, I think, even in the first game. The first game. game, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that that would be the, the really the only tweak that I think I can I can make. I think all the, the law variations that have come in have worked pretty well. And, and I even note in the last few weeks that uncontested line-out throws that have been taken on the outside shoulder, which has always been the uh, the, 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 the unacceptable realm, if you like, they're being pulled up as well. Mm. Uh, and, and I think, uh, actually, I think it was in the Rams game, the Rams-Rays game on, on Saturday, uh, the, 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 Ray, the Rams had one pulled up, and, and I presume it was Jed Holloway saying, but they didn't contest it. And, and the ref actually said to him, no, no, that was taken on the outside shoulder. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so, so that's... I think actually that's a little bit of common sense has probably been applied yeah. along the way. Yeah. Um, so so that's all been that's all all been worked well. I think team wise, um, I think I'd leave it at nine for next year. I think like like you say, I think just another twelve months of you know of not ambush marketing, but just some marketing. I think would would help yeah. in terms of building awareness. I think it's fair comments that you make about about the stars, and and I think um, maybe it's a little bit of a reality check for. For Sydney Uni, and I, and I don't say this critically at all. They've, they've, they've clearly got a, a very, very good rugby program, but I think it's perhaps a little bit of a reality check that Sydney Uni, as good as they are, still aren't quite at that next level um, as, as, as a uh, as a rugby program. So they, they, I think they do need you know, a little bit of help there. I guess the the dark horse might be to see what what Randwick do. They've made their ambitions fairly clear that they that they want to. Uh, they wanted a, a team themselves. They don't necessarily want to be sort of tacked onto country like they are. Um, so I wonder whether Randwick might be enticed into the Stars arrangement, for example, or, yeah, or whether, you know, I, I, I just don't know. If, mm. if we are going to talk about a 10th team down the track, then as much as, as much sense as it might be to go to, to somewhere new, and, and I know that it was said at the time that Adelaide had had essentially been told that they were next in line, that, that they had a, had a really good offer. But I just wonder whether we might end up with Randwick doing something in and around that sort of eastern suburbs area there. Yeah, right. That scares me, to be frank. But look, yeah, well, same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, look, it scares, it scares me too because... Um, Especially because... Became, well, three of, the, three of the bottom four teams are Sydney yeah. teams. Was, so, yeah, yeah, and I was, exactly what I was going to say. It became fairly apparent fairly early on, as, once the squads came out even, that that it just yeah. looked on paper that the three Sydney sides would... And, and in fact, I thought the same of Sydney country, that they might struggle... Of, of New South Wales country, yeah. that, that, they might, that they might struggle. So they've really been the surprise packets, I, I think. But I think the country... The two country teams have actually worked quite well. I'd yeah. like to see Queensland country play a little bit more away from well, South East Queensland, if and, possible. And they will, and I think that was the, 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 yeah, the, the basis will. of you know that late decision-making process, and I know they yeah. get the tenders out and all that sort of stuff. And, and the country teams, my point, and, and obviously what the ARU did to, 
be a bit more proactive with their marketing. I'm sure hopefully they'll invest some time in terms of a bit of strategy around that. But those country teams concern me because I really do think it's key that they have that strong country focus. Um, but it's a big ask of you know the, the host unions and the, the, the countries themselves uh, to to sort of bear that burden of, of you know taking it being the touring roadshow, so to yeah, speak. I, yeah. I got that impression through your interview with uh, James Grant that, you know, it was a lot of effort for them and, and, and they were concerned about whether the, the benefits were flying back. That um, was, that's, it's, fun, it's funny you mentioned that, Reg, because, because you're not the first person that, that interpreted, uh, interpreted James Grant's comments about, you know, things haven't quite... There was, there was more than a few people sort of interpreted perhaps how I presented what he said, that, that, that there might have been issues with the country Eagles and New South Wales country rugby. Yeah. Um, and that's certainly not the case. Yeah. If, what, what he was saying in saying that the bonds need to be stronger was that they can probably do a lot of – there's a lot of double handling, if you like, that, that they, they probably don't need you know separate marketing and separate media reps and things like that. There's, there's probably a lot of similarities between what they're trying to do and, and, that, and that they can actually – you know consolidate and perhaps be both be stronger as a result and i think that's a that's a really good point um but then likewise so is his so was his point about having to recruit new volunteers at every year exactly every new venue and that, and that was a that was something that i'm sure they thought about at the time but they perhaps might have even underestimated yeah and look i've got no doubt queensland i'm sure next year you'll see them play sunshine coast and Toowoomba, most definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. They'll have to maintain, I would suggest, a, a base on the Gold Coast, or at least a game on the Gold Coast too, through their Bond Uni uh, linkages, yeah, if that's yeah. for an additional year. And then they need that TV game too, assuming it's the same yeah. structure. And, and and I think we've had this chat that Ballymore is the, pretty much the only ground, unless you're taking it to one three hundred smiles or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, Which is yeah. really I... cost prohibitive. That, and that's it. And that's, I think that's exactly the conversation we had, mate, that as soon as you have to start taking, you know, broadcast equipment much more than, you know, 100 k from a capital city, you're, you're starting to really up the cost. So as good as it would be to, and I know they're playing in Townsville or next, in the next yep. fortnight or so, and as good as it would be to have them go to Toowoomba and Rockhampton and, and, and wherever, we have got to remember the, the, the shoestring budgets of, of this sort of thing. So... Yeah, it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see what what happens there. Just talking talking TV very very yep. very briefly. If if there's a, it, I guess what I'd really like to happen is for a uniform streaming option to come up next year. Yeah. That that would be that would be ideal. So that there is some degree of um, organisation. Dare I say it? You know, everyone individually is doing a really really good job, but. Queensland do their games one, you know, they, their games look differently, and mm, and, mm. and the, the Rams, the, the guys doing the Rams games, you know, have have their way. And mm. if if there's a uniform production, I think that would be just just makes the competition look more professional. Dare I say it? Yeah. And then if there's a possibility that we could get, even if it was one Saturday afternoon game on a digital channel, yeah. be it one, be it Seven mate, whoever um, ABC two, if it, yeah. if, the, if the money was there and it's clearly not, I think that's probably what the aim should be. I, I think we can forget being on on one of the standard free to air channels, but something like one HD, yeah. I think is, is probably the 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 the, the aim. Um, the production costs are going to be up there. It's going to be a fair investment from whoever decide to go down that path, but I think that's probably the goal and probably the best hope. And you talk about uniform streaming. We should also streamline the uniforms less yellow. Yeah, 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 no, okay. yeah. That's, that's a that's that's a, that's a fair point. That's a given. Look, guys, that was a great chat. I really enjoyed that, and I hope the listeners do too. And 
and um, I, I guess it's uh, we've got a lot of hope for this NRC, NRC tournament. It was, it was great to see Bill Pulver interviewed, I think it was last week, um, saying that the NRC is here to stay. So they've got that commitment from the ARU. We just need a bit more weight behind it mm-hmm. in terms of uh, promotion. But that'll come. As we say, they've got a, a full year to plan it and get behind it. We're going to wrap up, guys. I've just got three pieces of news I want to fly through from this week. The first and foremost, Jake White gone, moved on from the Sharks. Uh, mm. Another contract torn up. Uh, Brett, any goss on this one? I uh, got a little bit of a whisper this afternoon that he might have been Andy Friended, dare I say. It yeah, might be a right. little bit of an internal player power, um, right. player power, perhaps, which would be the irony of all ironies, wouldn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> so, and when that's, you know, take, I mean, we're how many thousand k's away from Durban? So, you know, I don't know how true otherwise that, that might be, but it sort of, it wouldn't, be all that surprising if that was the case. And then the next steps would probably be an international team. It may, well, I guess he could always end up in Europe, but it'll be interesting a year out for the World Cup if there becomes any test opportunities for him. Yeah. So, well, well. And again, this 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 same whisperer sort of said, "I wonder if Eddie Jones has been on the phone." Yeah. Yet. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> returning returning the favour from 2007. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Hugh, you've dusted off your resume. I hear Jason Allen's leaving the Waratahs. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, that's that's what I'm calling Bill Pulver. Yes, he's uh, the reference. Yeah, I know. Look, I think yeah, you should take Jason a hint Allen. the fact he's hanging up on you. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, look, Jason Allen is um, leaving. I would be sceptical as to whether that was 100% his own decision. I think hmm. uh, there's much publicised uh, little split with Michael Checker, and as I've heard... A couple of times in the past few weeks, Michael Checker is now completely in charge of New South Wales rugby, all things New South Wales rugby. Uh, so if you don't like him, you're out the... Oh, sorry, if he doesn't like you, you in, in most cases, you better pack your things. So uh, I have a feeling Jason Allen may have been uh, a bit of a victim to that, but certainly he could take some credit for the Waratah success this season, and I think he probably moves on. Uh, with a nice little tick on his resume there, so uh, yeah, I, you can you can say he he certainly had his faults. And there's a good debate on the Waratahs threads yep. on the forum as to how uh, how much he was responsible for the success. But still, you've got to say, uh, considering we won the comp, he's got to take some credit for it. Yeah, absolutely, all credit to him, and good luck to him. And finally, today we had uh, the Australian Schoolboys. Uh, second match of their uh, schoolboys tour, uh, going down to New Zealand Barbarians, 39 to 21 over there in the the Shaky Isles. Uh, had to play the match, uh, all but two minutes with 14 men there. I think it was their fly half, Jordan Jackson Hope, was red carded in the second minute for a, for, a spear for a tackle. Pre- a pretty, pretty nasty one. spear yeah. tackle yeah. too. There's a video floating around on that website that you guys don't want to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so look, they, they played the, the test match versus New Zealand schools on Saturday, and it's actually televised again, we said that last week, on, on Fox Sports, uh, I think it's about 12.30 or, or, or something our time, um, at least East Coast time, on Saturday morning, or Saturday afternoon, so uh, keep an eye on that. Still some high quality players uh, playing, and, and, and Australia, a real hope, they've changed some of the uh, eligibility rules in New Zealand at the moment in terms of who plays, so that'll be a challenge for them, but uh, another good shot for our future Wallabies, hopefully. Uh, and that wraps us up. Brett, awesome having you on the show, mate, really appreciate it. Thanks very much for, for having me back, and I'll, um, I'll I'll look forward to dusting off my headphones again in um, 12 months' time. 12 months' time, I look forward to having you. <laughs> Hugh, we might track you, track you down for another couple of weeks away, mate. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go away and I'll, I'll beef up my expert credentials. I'll do some more things. <laughs> only, 
Only if, only if Checker says you're available, mate. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and that wraps us up for the show, guys. Thanks again for your help, Brett and Hugh, and all our listeners. We'll speak to you next week. Yeah, right there, right there.